But despite the monumental nature of their achievement, von Neumann and Morgenstern succeeded in showing that definitive solutions, or equilibria, existed for only a fairly narrow category of interactions, so-called zero-sum games, in which one person's gain is another person's loss. Poker is a zero-sum game, so is coin tossing. Often in real-world situations, though, such as how to divide a market among a few competitors, there is a positive economic surplus to be divided. The question is who gets what, and that depends on which actions or strategies are adopted. This is where Nash came in. Welcome to episode 17 of Sandwich Wingman. I'm Ryan Morrison. With me, Rob Hanna. Rob, how are you? I am excellent. Um, great, great quote. Leads right into it. This is great. Looking forward to talking about John Nash uh, later in the episode. <laughs> Leads right into talking about sandwiches. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's foreshadowing. It is. It is. It's it's pretty much the whole shadow, though. It's the whole shadow. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, yeah. That's so, yes. Space is. Episode 17. That's right. And we did... Some fish sandwiches uh, for this episode. We, I think, set ourselves on a fish course. Um, <laughs> yeah, I well, that was unintentional, but anyway, we did that um, a few weeks ago, and then we had a, a parish cafe interlude of sorts. That's right, and uh, as you know how much I like cook- cooking fish, and I, how much... Uh... I remember it distinctly. I know it. It's it probably is still emphasis somewhere up on in the your... stink. <laughs> Distinctly, <laughs> I it, yeah. It's, it's there are certain smells that kind of stay in your nose, and uh, I know that I produced them when I made fish. Yeah, uh, I don't know anyone else who has the same talent for um, turning uh, cooked fish into a, a powerful and uh, <laughs> just pervasive aroma. I think pervasive is the word I definitely was looking oh, for. Oh, that's right. That's totally right. You, you'd walk in and you knew fish had been made. That's right. Even if you tried to hide it a few few hours in advance. <laughs> so did, did uh, history repeat itself in preparation of the sandwich? Well, uh, I learned after that time that we were living together that I pretty much always... Or sorry. I, I, I typically try to cook fish in the oven, which... Uh, is, uh, is uh, much better than cooking fish on the George Foreman. <laughs> because George Foreman, the smoke just dissipates, which I'm sure was what made the smell oh. pervasive. Um, but no, I, I actually, uh, this, this I bake stuff. So um, All right, well, it, uh, uh, I did not repeat history. I, I learned my lesson. <laughs> you were not doomed to repeat it. I was not doomed. I was, yeah, well, I was not, I did not. But repeat you it. learned from history. Yes. Okay, well. That maybe would have fit better with a different reading, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm sure we can work it in this week. Yeah. We'll get yeah. there. Um, but tell us. Sandwich. Fish. Okay, here, I am excited to tell you about this one this week, right? All so, right. this sandwich is a... a I, I, may, I used cod as my fish for the week. Oh! So, you know, we're, we're calling my New England roots. Um, this was a prosciutto wrapped cod sandwich uh what does on that cr- mean? so imagine like um a bacon wrapped scallop oh i see so the analogy here is that i wrapped a cod in prosciutto um mm. i put that on a uh, ciabatta bread that ended up being crusty um because it had been here for a little while um with a fried egg <laughs> <laughs> it, it was bought as a very you know, fluffy bread, but uh, when I finally went around to making the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was a, uh, a prosciutto wrap cod s- sandwich on that crusty ciabatta bread with fried egg and fig jam. Wow. It's now, like all the things that you like most. I know, but they all work together and there's a logic, which I can get into. Uh, but that but that is the sandwich. Uh, what did you make this week? Uh, I also used cod. Oh, good. Okay. And I enjoyed cod. Yes. Yeah, it means that we could do a different kind of fish some other week. That's true. That does mean. This is, <laughs> yeah, salmon sandwiches, and uh, you, know, you could make, uh, or you know, it could be like shrimp. It's like shrimp po' boy, shrimp. Yeah, uh, that's right. Shrimp everything else. So. Um, um, yeah. 
Did we already do shrimp? I don't think so. I've, I've used shrimp, but I don't think it was for the... Uh, no, I, I don't think that was the featured uh, ingredient. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Um, so I used a breaded cod. Ooh, okay. So this was, was already a, breaded? Yep, already breaded. Uh, mm-hmm. Bought it frozen. Okay. And so uh, did not smell much when I put it in the oven. Excellent. <laughs> That's I, I also thought that at the time. <laughs> uh, and I made tacos, kind of. Oh, okay, okay. With, uh, you know, some wrap, wraps. Okay. You know, so uh, like a flour tortilla type thing, except I used a wheat wrap, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so not a flour tortilla at all. Um, and uh, coleslaw. And um, I uh, took a page from the Parish Cafe. Yes, good. With some spicy lime tartar sauce. No, did you? Where, 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 did, where did you find it? Just at the supermarket? Um... I just bought tartar sauce and made it spicy and oh, and limey lime juice. Yeah, added lime. Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah. Great. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing more about that too. Oh, um, run the board, my friend. Okay. Well, here we go. So l- let me let me just to introduce kind of my thought process behind this one before I go through the sure. the the, uh, the grade. So so as I was saying, like I think I think the way to think about this sandwich is by analogy. So like I really was thinking first about. Um, the 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 combination of a fish like scallop that is wrapped in a meat right so that seemed like a very like you know common thing you might get at weddings or something um, oh, as like a, as like an appetizer um, so then I said what what can I do yeah, I didn't want to cook with scallops so I uh, went to so cod was what was available at the store it worked out so cod and I wrapped it with um, prosciutto I I bought thin thin slice but I think I maybe used one or two kind of uh, wraps of it around um and i know that fig and bacon go together i think i learned this in an earlier episode when we were talking about bacon so i thought okay so the fig jam goes with the bacon and bacon goes with eggs wow so so i thought to myself right this but this could actually work and it did so um it it was a little hard to assemble so i'll kind of go through the gamut here so i gave it a two out of five for ease of assembly and uh, you know, the, just to tell the, you know, to, to, to give the listeners a sense of this, right? So I had to wrap, so I wrapped a bunch of different pieces of cod with thin slices of prosciutto, but I only ended up using two of them for, like, the sandwich I constructed. It took about 15 minutes to bake the cod at 425 degrees, and so while I was in the oven, I had to fry the egg, uh, but I fried it with no oil on a stick-free pan, which was good. Um, I cut the bread, which is very tough and essentially stale, um, and I s- then spreaded jam, um, on you know on as well so um fig was on the bottom then the cod that was wrapped and the egg on top but again it was pretty hard i would say relatively hard to assemble and you have to cook the fish and stuff like that so two out of five um i wasn't sure about how nutritional i felt this was um so i gave this like a middle of the road three out of five um you know because prosciutto i i don't think it's super healthy i think it actually has some fat in it i didn't i didn't get a chance to go back to look but i'm pretty sure that that it probably has something it's like bacon in that regard um and um, the uh, the salty meat actually balanced really well with the sweet jam. Um, the fish itself didn't taste too fishy and actually worked with the egg. Surprisingly, I wasn't sure how that was all going to work together. Um, but I still didn't think the taste was spectacular, but it actually wasn't bad either. I gave this one a 6 out of 10 for mm-hmm. taste. Um, the integrity, it was really hard to crunch through the bread, but otherwise everything stood together, so that was a 4 out of 5. Um, and... Um, it was a conversation piece, and I have a. I made a note to myself. It's a it's a conversation cod piece, uh, oh, and, <laughs> and uh, I thought the combo was actually really interesting. It, like it was, as, as you said, it's like the connect the dots. <laughs> uh, I think that was you know safe for air. It's like one of, those, the, uh, one of those constellations that doesn't actually look like anything until you point out the connections that you want people to make. Ah, yes. Yes, it could be a name for this sandwich. Um, but so I, that was pretty interesting. Five out of five, definitely a story to tell. Um, I had a lot of fun trying this out, and I actually thought that overall everything kind of worked with each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, some flavors sticked out, and like you know, I could have probably used a solid piece of like one big piece of fish rather than like two little pieces. But you know, long story short, the the um, it, it was pretty good, but the experience was kind of tough because the bread was so hard to crunch through. So I actually gave this a two out of five. Um, 
So um, the total score ended up being a 22 on this one, which wasn't spectacular, but it was really fun to cook with something that was like bacon that, you know, didn't have to be fried or anything. It was already made. So that was great. Cool. Um, yeah. Um, uh, what about you, man? Would you would you make it again? Oh, yeah. yeah. Would I make it again? Um, maybe not as a sandwich, but I could totally see making it as like a breakfast with like eggs and I and see. the bacon as the prosciutto and the fish. I, I've had I've had fish for breakfast and like you know kind of flaky white fish, so it kind of makes sense. Um, and the fig jam actually worked spectacularly uh, well. So because um, you wouldn't think of it working with the fish, but it works with the bacon or it works with the prosciutto. So I. I, I I would do some version of this again, but maybe not as a sandwich. And it maybe wasn't a great make-for-work sandwich. Um, yeah. But, you know, so. All right. Well, fair. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, I uh, I enjoyed making this. I mean, I did have to cook the, yeah. the fish in the in the oven. Um, and that's really the, the main downside mm-hmm. to cooking with fish, I guess. Uh, but you could bring it to work after making it. Um, right after cooking it. Anyway, um, this wasn't that very wasn't too work intensive. I mean, coleslaw. I just bought coleslaw. Right, um, right. Tartar sauce. Yeah, I just mixed in a little a little sriracha, um, and basically I just cut open the lime and then just sprinkled it over. Um, That's great. I made, I made two of these, uh, mm-hmm. quote unquote, tacos at the same time. Um, right. So I went. Uh, Go the three ease of assembly. Okay. Um, nutrition wise, you know the coleslaw is not that great, but I was pretty light on the tartar sauce and good. Good. Fish is pretty straightforward. I feel pretty good about this, at least in the context of maybe other sandwiches I've done. So I went a little aggressive. I went a four on nutrition. Wow. Okay. But the taste was uh, very good. Very good. Um, oh, I totally yeah. forgot to mention. Um, huh? I put in a little wasabi seaweed. Oh, as well. wow! Really? Why did? Uh, well, we can. I'll talk about that. I don't know how I forgot right that. Yeah. But right. Yeah. It's been a little while, I guess. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't know if that was my favorite part of things, but I think that's part of why I was I was thinking nutrition for. But anyway, taste wise, this was a nine for me. Wow! I really, really, really liked it. I like the mayonnaise type stuff more than you do, anyway. I think. Right, I was going to ask for that because both the tartar sauce and the coleslaw would be mayonnaise based, right? Yeah, it was. Um, the coleslaw was very dry as mm-hmm. far as coleslaw goes. It was not. It was not wet, really, um, which is good because didn't didn't um, make the wrap soggy or anything like that. But it was mm-hmm. mostly. I'm sure it had that flavor, but uh, it was there mostly for the crunch. I really enjoyed the the crunch. Oh. Um, I guess that's hedging into a different category, but sure. But yeah. um, you know, the breaded cod. I just it it tasted really good. It tasted really good. Um, integrity wise, it it worked very very well. I mean, you had you had to kind of hold it like a taco, um, and that doesn't always have the greatest of results. Um, I would have gone a four here, but I'm going with a three because. Um, the seaweed was maybe not the best choice because you, mm. you have to tear through it a little bit, right? And uh, you know everything else was a, was a much more straightforward and easier to easier to eat. So it was kind of a mismatch there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I did this again, I would substitute that in some way. Uh, but anyway, uh, conversation piece. I don't think there's a lot to say about this, and yet maybe this is because of the the gap we had in between sandwiches. Right. Um, I had a couple of people just check up on how the how the progress was was coming with the fish oh. taco, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed to, to to win some fans. So I'm going to go with a four. And right. uh, experience wise, you know, it, this would have been a five. It was really, really kind of special. Um, but for that seaweed, so if I if I took out the seaweed, I think I would have gone with a five. But here I'm going with a four. Okay. So that seems to you probably got a better, much better score than I did on this one. This yeah, seems like an ace. And ended at twenty seven. I think it would have been an ace if I had just taken out the seaweed. But 
And you would add the seaweed to add a texture? No, I think I was... I don't know. I mean, don't fish normally congregate near seaweed? Ooh. So this was this was a uh, like a, a, a geographically oriented one or something, yeah. Yeah, I uh, before I ended up putting a little sriracha in the in the tartar sauce. So I was thinking right. of that as the as the way to add some um, some heat. Anyway, mm-hmm. the wasabi mm-hmm. aspect of it. And I wanted a little bit of heat, so. Okay. Wow. Well, the parish cafe, uh, you know, had that um, with the the lumiere. The green curry, that's lime, right. Uh, yeah, sauce. That was kind of what I was thinking because a little bit of spice work there. Well, I'm, I'm glad you went with it. Yeah, yeah, I would do this again. Easy. <coughs> um, that cough was not meant to undermine my my statement at all. <laughs> well, if you were doing this uh, live and, uh, in person, uh, yeah, the. Uh... I may have interpreted that differently. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nonverbal cues. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, I love this sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I think it replaced one of my lungs. <laughs> oh wow! Wow, yeah. Tough. <laughs> All right. So. So I, I would say overall pretty good for us this week. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I, maybe I was too harsh on myself with mine. I mean, I thought mine was actually quite quite tasty. I mean, I. I it was it was great uh, in many regards, but I just felt that uh, I mean, it could have been the bread took uh, some something away from mine. But. Well, you gave yourself a taste score of six. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So if you're if you're looking for answers, uh, they're probably there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all he had to say about that. Yeah, but you could actually make your sandwich again. You probably will, right? I think I will. Yeah. I don't know. But I really like um, I really like cod. Kind of forgot yeah, I do that. Too. I do too. I grew up eating a lot of cod, so regularly. So right. So that's. I don't know if I'm you did. Did you grow up with that kind of fish? Yeah, I guess so. Like white fish. I never really liked salmon that much. I didn't like it growing up. I, I like it now. But um, yeah, I, you... I'm keenly aware of that. I think I've experienced <laughs> more more salmon with my nose and with my tongue. I think. <laughs> do, do you not like salmon? I don't think I like salmon really, but I think it's probably a place where one of those things kind of made up my mind and didn't like it, and then haven't really tried it since then. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a wonderful fish to cook with. Doesn't but, it have some um, bones? Like no, no. Like well, typically, typically you 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 get it having someone already taken the bones out. Yeah, but isn't that isn't that one where like it's pretty normal to have had like a some small bone left behind? Um, I don't know how normal this. I very rarely had any issue with that, except when I forget to buy the one that's been deboned. Oh, I see. Um, I uh, all right. I typically would buy from Whole Foods or something, and I've had no issues there. So um, I've been eating some bristling sardines. Really? Yeah, bristling, and those those bones you just eat, just eat the whole thing. I've never had. I may have had sardines at some point, but. Well, if you if you have it again, I would recommend bristling. Bristling is is a brand. Bristling is a type of fish. Ah, okay, got Sar- it. I think there might be a sardine, but when you buy sardines, I think it can be one of like four different fishes. Oh, okay. And uh, the bristling are pretty small. You want to get it packed in uh, olive oil if you can. Mm. And uh, you know, little little taking in. Uh, takes a little getting used to. Gave me some living with Rob Hanna flashbacks. Uh, <laughs> in terms of the, I mean they are they are fishy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. So over, over, yeah, overall successful. This is great. So, uh, to to fish and beyond. To fish. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Well. Um. <laughs> so so to on 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 to nash on to nash uh, i was just trying to pull up oh no wait hold on we're gonna go from nosh to nash oh oh yeah all right that wasn't bad yeah 
Okay. Maybe back to Nosh after. We'll yeah. see. Uh, um, so we were using as a jumping off point this week. Uh, yeah. Just an article written and uh, about the, the late uh, John Nash. Yes. By John Cassidy of The New Yorker. It's called The Triumph, Open Paren, and Failure, <laughs> Close Paren, of John Nash's Game Theory. Which, Thank you for uh, the dramatic reading of the parentheses there. Yeah, I, I mean, they're definitely there for effect, right? I, I oh, no, no doubt, hard no doubt. To read. I agree. Yeah. This is uh, meant to not really be read aloud, probably. Probably, yeah. So, it's a good thing we probably won't be trying to read the rest of it out loud. But you did. Uh, I like the quote you picked out, though. That that was a nice lead-in. So, uh, thank you, sir. So. Um, I was a little surprised by this article to find that John Nash's contribution to game theory was actually pretty minor. Yeah, I was surprised at that too. This was a revelation for me as well. Yeah, he's got his name stamped on things in a few different ways, so what are you going to do? So he's a mathematician, and he helps solve problems posed by other people using mathematical tools exactly right which is uh you know that's um kind of goes back to a topic that we keep going back to about like specialization yes and the need uh, to get more and more narrow as uh in order to be an expert correct um, but it's more fun right to to do things like this like cross disciplinary things maybe go to a uh, I'm going to borrow a word from uh, our article writer here, a nascent uh, field. Last right. last week we talked about um, um, object theory. Correct. And that might be a nascent field. Um, but it's more fun to, to take tools learned from one discipline and apply it in another discipline. That's what I like the most, uh, say, and uh, baseball is great for that. Uh, you get people with um, expertise in a number of fields, and sometimes their their tools are the right tools for the job. Right. I like reading that stuff. Uh, I don't know, just maybe a more fun version of life. So John Nash got to have a blast, I guess. Yeah, and and I just think I remember how much because uh, because you know it's it's related to games. And games broadly defined. I remember how much fun it was to kind of learn about that in, in economics classes. Yeah. That it seemed like a very it just was a it, it was a whether or not we can we can uh, attribute so much of the kind of uh, apparatus of game theory just to him. We, you know we can't, but it is very interesting to think about game theory as a tool to to to, to think about problems of that can be reduced to games in life. I think that to me, I thought that was a very important cognitive tool to pick up in college hmm yeah I um I mean it definitely seems like something where sometimes those tools are the right tools for the job right but like frequently they're not like even if the even if the um the situation would match like there's a competition there are issues about knowledge right uh it's not a finite um, not a finite limit to resources necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. This is so. This is one of the things I wanted to talk about. Uh, there's um, so much of it has to do with what the other person, what the other party uh, knows and thinks. Like how rational are they? So. I guess I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Um, one of these games is, like, like guess two-thirds. Yes. So um, you have a contest. People are going to guess a number between zero and a hundred. Mm-hmm. And whoever is closest to two-thirds of uh, the average... Yes. ...is, um, is going to be the winner. And you want to be the winner. It doesn't really matter how many people are in this contest. Okay. Or, well, we'll come back to that. But 
So if you're if you're entering this contest, there's no incentive ever to guess a number above sixty six. Because so there's that, no way that that could be the answer. Even if even if everyone guessed the maximum of one hundred. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. That's uh, right. Two thirds, you know, at best. Anyway. Um, right. But this is this is um, I think why people find this this game interesting. Is like if you know that, if you know that nobody has an interest to guess above sixty six, mm-hmm. then the new field becomes really like zero to sixty six. That's right. And then you really don't have an interest in guessing above forty four, because that's two thirds of what you know. Everybody else will be guessing for that exactly because right. you're because you're it would not be rational to guess over sixty six. That's right. But then knowing that, you know what I'm saying? And so you keep you keep going down and down and down. And it turns out that as far as the game is concerned, mm-hmm. like the only... If you assume that every player in the game is rational, mm-hmm. you have to guess zero. Oh, because you can guess zero? Yeah. Yeah. Or the minimum number, I guess, doesn't really right, matter. Right, 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 right. Um, because everyone should talk themselves, like in in trying to guess what other people are going to do before picking right. your own number. Yes, you just keep talking yourself down and down and down and down and down. Um, but anytime this game has like really been administered, the answer has always been well above the minimum, like say huh. twenty or something. Um. And what's weird about it is that can be the right thing to do. Like once you, like let's say you knew that this game had been administered thousands of times, and right, the, right. the answer had never been zero. It's like right. then it's then it's no longer a good idea, even though even though the game would tell you that the that answer error, is zero. Right. Um, it's you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. So that's that's kind of what fascinates me about this is the separation between like rationality and what game theory would tell you. That's right. And what the truth is. Like, yeah, you're right. Limits yeah. to how rational people are. That's right, and 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 the the question is why do people break down? Right. From you know, like why is it that the the the, the average. Or rather, whatever the, the 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 typical or the responses in the game tend to not be the the most rational response. That's just really interesting because you're trying to figure out what is going through some of these other people's heads. Literally, right? I mean, it's an information right. issue, right. right? So, yeah. Is it that everyone's trying to guess what other people will do, knowing that most people won't be rational? This is totally right. totally kind of bizarre. It would be bizarre, and this is kind of what is, is I think I think uh, Cassidy in his article mentioned something to this extent, right? I, I forget the, the no, not the particular game, but oh, the, the 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 notion of it being actually a very complex process to actually think these games through. Yeah, right, right. Because like just the way you had to uh, phrase that construction is already kind of complicated. Yeah, right, right. So it so to some extent it may be like purely rational. Um, players um, either basing information on on experience or guessing correctly that not everyone is rational. Right. Um, Or it could just be that they're not rational. That people aren't actually thinking through the game when they're playing the game? Yeah, like, um, like they don't think through as many steps as they should, but they but they tend to think through at least a few steps. Right. Because maybe this has something to do with cognitive load and working memory. Yeah. That that some people just think through three moves and they're like, I just don't have more mental capacity or like, I don't care to do that. It could be just like a, you know. Yeah, or it feels like diminishing returns. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. yeah. Because it's almost like, it makes you think of chess. Yeah. Like, how many moves are you supposed to think in advance the other player is doing, right? I mean, I would, I find it particularly challenging myself to, I don't play it that, I don't play it really, but I mean, when, when I have played, I don't remember thinking through many moves ahead. 
yeah. you know, either either because I felt that it wasn't like worth it. Um, mm. Wow, or, that's a very good example. You, you know, it's like, do I really? How much? How badly do I need to win this? Whereas if I were, if I were like, you know, a game with higher stakes, you're right. I would probably actually care a lot about thinking many moves ahead. That's fascinating, Rob. You're right because I like any time I've played. It's, like, fun to me to try to think, like, two or three moves ahead, maybe. Right. But it's, like, not fun to me to try to think through any more. Maybe just because exactly. it's so difficult. Right. Um, and so and I just it's, don't. It's literally that. mentally taxing. I mean, it, 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 right? Huh. I mean, it's, it's, it's cognitively taxing, I think, to think through more than several moves in advance, which means that some people who are willing to kind of go the distance and think four or five in advance may realize that some people are going to either quit cognitively, like they're going to be like, whatever, I'll just pick a number now because yeah. it's too complicated, or they'll break down to be irrational or something. I, I don't know. Um, That's funny. Yeah, I mean, they're, so just reading about some of these games, um, people do seem to bring in like non, non-rational baggage in with them. Sure, but sure. it all. But it seems like, um, you know, from the recitations I've read of studies, which is different right. than reading the study. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like um, researchers feel compelled to like opine. You know why the what what causes the difference uh, between right. uh, like expected rational behavior and observed behavior. Exactly, and they they come up with theories, some of which seem pretty compelling. But like, then you can't test those theories. It's like I would kind of like to know why, as as frequently as possible, people diverge from rationality because exactly. that seems like the most helpful tool of all in terms of navigating the world. All right, when do people break down and not think? In, yeah, in those ways, yeah, and that would be that is a very powerful tool, or it would be. Yeah, well, I guess I wish I could learn more about that. But well, here's a here's an easy. Um, well, here's an early thing. This is something I spent time thinking about, like as a kid, like when I okay. we was first in school. Right. So, I, so when you're a small kid and you're playing um, tag, like yes. around, around a house or whatever. Right. Um, there's a point. Like, when you're really, really young, and, and you and I have talked through this uh, in the past, but I'm going to take the okay. long road anyway. Please. Um, when you're first playing tag, and you go around a house, like, going around a house is great. Uh, because people don't, if you're out of sight, then you might right. stay out of sight. Exactly. But let's say you start clockwise around the house, mm-hmm. someone's chasing you clockwise, it's like you got to stay ahead of them. That's the goal. Right. But then at some point... Kids learn that, well, if the runner is going to keep um, moving in that direction, if I'm hit, I should right. circle back and go around the other way. And follow them. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. we'll try to, like, just run in the opposite direction and hope that the runner runs into you. Like, runs towards you inadvertently. And then you can, right. you can catch them and tag them in. Got it. Um, but then, at some point, maybe right away... The runner then catches on that the person who's it might be circling back. And so then even if the person who's it like falls out of sight behind you, you might think, uh, start to think, um, maybe I should stop myself and start running backwards. Yeah. Because I'm expecting the person who's it to try to run around the house the other way. Exactly right. But then it goes back and forth and back and forth. Like you could be like eight levels beyond you could have you could have uh, developed this, you know, trading back and forth between which direction to run in, based on how sophisticated your opponent is. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what always, what I always found fascinating about it is, you know, some 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 new kid comes and plays tag with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know how sophisticated they are, and yet they still have like a fifty fifty shot of being correct. Maybe they're only like two chains, uh, two links down this chain. Right. And you're like eight 
links down this chain. Um, you just don't know that about them, and it almost doesn't matter. Because it, there are only two possible answers, and you still have to guess right. That's right. I mean, that's... I mean, that really gets at this, right? About the information and the cognitive breakdown and... Yeah. Like, like you know, how far can you expect people to go and think through the logic puzzle? Right. Right. And I don't know. How, how much do people care about getting caught or not getting caught? Exactly, right. So, I mean, the, I think that the that, that maybe what we're seeing here is that there might be a trade-off between stakes and how much you want to, you know, devote to, mm. you know, the... The, the, the cognitive uh, 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 acrobatics you have to go through to think through in like an eight step to get to like a you know a solution or something um, well in terms of stakes mm-hmm. uh, another game I found interesting mm-hmm. is the ultimatum game okay so you there's two people and I think you have to kind of imagine this in a lab setting because I don't know when it would come up in real life right um you got two people. One person is like a dictator. Okay. The other person is not. Mm-hmm. Like maybe this is the dictator game. Uh, I think. Oh. <laughs> um, and you give them a hundred bucks. Right. And you say divide up um, uh, the hundred dollars between you and this other person, and they they get a chance to either take it or reject it. Got it. The second person. Now, if they reject it, you don't get a chance to make another offer. You make one offer, the other person decides whether or not to take it, and that's the end of the game. Either guys, either you get the allocation, or you get nothing. Okay. So, like, the purely rational, if, if both parties are purely rational, the dictator should assign uh, himself or herself... $99. Give the other person $1. Right. Now they have an incentive to like take this allocation because they're they're choosing between $1 and $0. Right, $0, right. Yeah. Um but this is another situation where like observed results differ from what's rational because these studies that I guess they found that uh you know like you get below 20 and people reject it anyway. Like they'd rather, they'd rather get nothing than let you get eighty dollars out of the hundred, right? Yeah. yeah. If you're only getting twenty, huh? Which doesn't like really just doesn't make sense, right? Because you're not, you're getting no money out of the game, yeah. Right. The uh, second play, the second player, it would seem to always want to accept the offer no matter how bad it is, right? So long as it was something, right? Yep. That's um, that's confusing. And, and you're saying that the studies have shown that... Well, there's like, yeah, there's some, like, limit, basically. Where people are like, I hate the fact that it's so unequal. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you not get your 80 either. Right. So the, so this is another, uh, you know, situation where it's like, oh, well, now, having done the, having observed this, I'm going to try to explain it, even though I have no way to back this up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is it because... You know, we have this. Is it is it honor? Is it like an inborn, just a justice? Mm. You know, you know what I'm saying. It's interesting. Cause it's a lab setting type game, right? So it's like right. the hundred dollars is not. It just isn't. Um, no one had the money before either. I mean, it's like right. neither neither. <laughs> yeah, but uh, actually, the reason I bring it up is because um, mm-hmm. you said something about stakes. Right. So one of one of the um, conjectures about why people were rejecting this is because it was so it was so small. Like if somebody mm. allocates you five dollars, it's like right. giving up five dollars doesn't really cost you that much, right? Even though it's infinitely more than zero. Well, um, yeah. So there's a I guess there was a study where they upped the stakes. Yeah. And uh, they got the, they got the same results. It was always twenty dollars or twenty percent. Um, it was some somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, I got it. okay. Like, fair that enough. was the yeah. average. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, even when the stakes were a lot higher. Wow. 
Yeah. So, like, that's what I'd like to know about, I guess. Wow. But it still helps to be able to work, work some of this out. Yeah, I wonder, is there an analogy for that game? Like, what's an example of that game? Is it, Or is that game can only be thought of in the lab? Like, is there really any? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's called a, a dictator game or something. Uh, because mm-hmm. that's when, that's really the only time it would come up. Right. So you're you're uh, the leader of the country or whatever, and you try to allocate resources to yourself, right? Um, and I don't know, I don't know how many players you need to make this a, a real game. Well, you know, I mean, what, you know what comes immediately to my mind, but I, this isn't the same game, but maybe there's a game there. Um, so this isn't that dissimilar from like Marxist theory, right? Where the people who own the capital want to retain as much of it as possible. Mm-hmm. So there, there seems to be something of a game where it's like, how much is, uh, can I, as a CEO keep of this money and, and still let, and, and still have a share of it come to workers that they won't yeah, um, right. find so distasteful that they will like, um, for example, like revolt. Right. So, like, actually, this actually isn't that dissimilar from this, right? No, so, like, you, you, yeah, you, 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 you run a factory, which, which is a manufacturing job. You run a factory and you have, like, management and union, right? And the management says, well, we make a lot of money. And uh, if, if our workers, you know, continue to keep working, so I want to keep as much as I possibly can. But if I take too much of the profits and don't distribute it to the workers, the workers could strike. Mm. At which point your production could go to zero which point you would actually get zero as as the as the management i mean that's almost the ultimatum game that essentially is the ultimatum game i think yeah 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 yeah. um so you actually do have to kind of strike that balance of you know it could be working conditions or pay or something but you know you could think about like total compensation whatever that means and and you could probably play this type of thing out and, and, and probably at, at the at the level of the market or something, it probably there probably is a there's some equilibrium, right? That you know people are willing to take very little of the shares of the total thing, even though it seems very unjust because it's just just enough. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Well, like one thing that um, maybe you can get in a lab that you can't really or necessarily get in the real world. Mm-hmm. Is you set some of these like arbitrary rules, right. so like this rule of oh you only get to make one offer, right? And then like oh the second person you either take it or you don't take it, right? Um, in the real world, I think you're frequently not bound to playing that game. You know, you can always make another offer if need That's be. That's right. Yep. Um, you can always make a counter if need be. Mm-hmm. That's right. Or you can always just like uh, like you said. I mean. Um, just revolt against the game entirely. Say so, uh, no, this is not how we're doing this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, to me, to me, I saw that as a rejection. Yeah. Yeah, but it's almost like in the real world, if you if you had a revolt, part of the idea is that is the it... resource still exists, and right. you want there to be some other way to. Right. It, I guess. You li- you literally want the system to change because you don't that you, you the game that you are being asked to play play is just simply you want to be playing a different game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there there's so many of these. It's really but it's still I think that it's that it's that space in between rational behavior and like observed behavior. That's right. That's there's something to be thought of there. And you're saying that, that that a lot of the studies that are done about these types of games, they, they tend to move into the area of like speculation, where they talk about like what we think may have happened, that it breaks down from pure rationality? Yeah. I mean, I haven't gotten into it uh, too deep. This is not my expertise or anything, but... Right, right. To the extent that I have, it seems to be, you know, a common, common feature. Yeah, huh. Well, um, yeah, I don't necessarily know where to go from here other than, um, I think there's another game I find pretty interesting. Yes, why don't we do that? Uh, chicken. 
Yes. There's a game that, that we all knew of from our youth for some strange reason, but... Yes. Um, and not because we were racing cars. No, but, like, I think we people... I just remember learning about this game not... Uh, I, I, I should say quite young. Yeah. Like, hear, hearing about the game of two cars, like... Uh, I don't know, maybe you can tell better than me, but, like, two cars are, like, on the road, right? And they're both facing each other. And the chicken game is, like, who's the one who... Oh, I, oh, I guess they're both moving towards each other. Is that right? Yeah, right. So the, the game starts where they're moving. Right. And the question so is, like, a, who so stops first? Element. Yeah. Oh, okay, it's Like, okay. you can't just wait forever. Right, right. Because um, if you do, you'll lose. And, like, you, and like the losing game is that... Is, is that they hit you or something. I mean, right is weird, right? Because then you both hit each other no matter what, right? Yeah, so that so there are kind of like two ways to lose. Right. You can lose by being the first person to blink or swerve. Right. Um, or you can lose because both of you lose because you crash. <laughs> right, there are two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and there was, I think those are both bad outcomes, but one is clearly much worse than the other. <laughs> That's right, but like what's the... Is this a game of honor? Is that why it's so compelling for someone to like? Yeah. Keep keep going. Is that is that is is that the win? I. Yeah, like the compulsion, or yeah. or, or um, you're saying that's kind of like your prize. Well, I mean, yeah. Like, what do you? The prize is that you you didn't flinch first, right? Or sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. The 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 win is that you didn't flinch <laughs> and someone else flinched. Right. Um. But like, what's what's the reward? It's it's purely um, psychological, right? Yeah, but I mean, you can you can have the same game and have the reward be more money. significant, you know, like money. Like, or something. so, it's, yeah, right. I think the name of the game is this: is the idea that there's one very negative outcome. Yep. Um, and you can't both have a positive outcome. That's right. Yep. Um, so, going back to the car thing, you could do. Whoever wins the game gets the other person's car. Uh, that's a, I mean, you could do um, very high stakes. A cash prize, right? Right, cash prize. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you know, like death or a high chance of death is a high price to pay um, <laughs> for not not swerving. Um, but I, I mean, I've always found this this one interesting. Maybe, like you said, like this is like an early early to access yeah game. For, for us, for maybe for most people. Yeah. Um, but, like, I'm, I'm, now I'm trying to think about the analogies here. Like, what would, like, the like a, a quote-unquote real-world example, right? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, right. Well, I don't know. That, I can think of a lot from, from my professional world. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but I don't know. Let's stick with, with, with driving, maybe, even. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of rooting around, maybe in preparation for this okay. exercise a little bit. Um, I kind of collected um, strategies for winning chicken. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm interested in hearing about this. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna like list five. Okay. And then we can we can go back. Um, That'd be good. Okay. Um. The first is to make it so that you can't swerve. Uh, the second is to okay. convince the other side that they should swerve. The third is to convince the other side that you believe that they should swerve more than you. Huh. And then there's brinksmanship. And then there's uh, something we touched on before, changing the game. Hmm. You could refuse to play. What's the change it? What's the brinksmanship one? So that um, is about raising the stakes. So let's say, um, uh, let's say, so it's a game of chicken, right? Car racing towards another car. Yep. um, And you're playing with your life, basically. Those stakes are already very high. Exactly right. But that that's you could make them higher, I guess. You could make it so that, like, your whole family's in the car. Oh. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so so you could say, uh, you know, if you had a lot of confidence, maybe you could put um, 
families in the car. I don't, I don't know. If yeah. you make if you make the if you make the downside of the worst outcome even worse, right? People might back down where where they might not have backed down. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, know, you switch in bicycles for cars. Yep. You uh, if you make the if you make the stakes a lot higher, even though like the equilibria are the same, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe the price becomes a price that's too high for the other side to pay. Especially when, if when you raise the stakes, you convince the other side that it's a price that you're still willing to pay. That's right. So that's that's the brinksmanship. Hmm. Wow. Um, so, but to so can we? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just circling back to the beginning. Or? Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to say. Can we can we walk through some of those first ones about like particularly the one about. How you make it so neither of you can swerve? Well, um, if neither of you can swerve, then you're both going to die. So that's right. not that's not a good strategy for winning. <laughs> but how do you do that? Oh, I don't know. Who knows? You, so you, yeah, so right. you, um, if you make it so that you can't swerve, right. and you make it so that the other side knows that you can't swerve, then you're going to win. Like you, you're just going to win. This is a way to win. Um, I. I don't know whether I was just having a bad day or mm-hmm. things were really extreme or I just needed to get where I was going right? as quickly as possible. I think I'd been waiting in like four lights or something. Okay. But I needed to switch into another lane. It was mm-hmm. my south station at okay. one point. And yep, this yep, guy yep. in the next lane, uh, he was looking like he was not going to let me in. Right. Um, and this is all like in slow motion because we were all stopped. <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I started to peek out ahead of him. And then he, like, closed the gap. So he's like, you know, send me that signal. No, you're not going here. Okay, I got it. Yep. Now this this turned into kind of a game of chicken because neither one of us, like, you don't want to ding up your car. You don't want to get in a car accident, even mm-hmm. at low speed. It's a bad outcome. I mean, it's not like people are going to die, but it's a bad outcome. Um, whereas the payoff of being in front of the other person, fairly low. Um I guess maybe one one thing that it made uh, made it not a pure game of chicken is that the payoff was higher for me than it was for him. Sure. Because the the payoff for him, or the the downside for him to letting me go in front of him, is that he was one car behind. <laughs> but the downside for me was that I might not get behind him. I might not get behind anyone. Right. Anyway, so so we had a little staring contest. So I was surprised. Like normally you don't engage with people. <laughs> uh, I want to say too this is very much out of character for me okay good but this is part of why it stands out so much in my mind mm-hmm. um, while he was looking at me while we were making eye contact yes the car started to move mm-hmm. I leaned forward all the way up to the dash and we're still looking at each other yep and then I turned completely in the other direction so that I couldn't see him at all and he could see that I couldn't see him. And oh then I my. started moving in front of him. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, that's how you win. So you, you didn't actually turn your car. You turned your body is what you're saying. Well, no, I turned my body, and then I and then I went ahead of him with the car. In the other direction. In the Your body yes, was turned exactly. towards the left, and you were yes, going right. Yes, I couldn't right. see yes. whether or not yes. he was going forward or not. Oh, my God. That is – that's a game. Well, it's, it's chicken. Yeah. But it's uh, that strategy works, and it worked, I bet, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he's like, "Oh shit, I don't know what this guy's gonna do." It's like, so yeah, I, it's like <laughs> he did not, for some reason, it was very important to him that I not go in front of him, <laughs> and yet, by making it so that I couldn't turn back, and that he knew that I couldn't turn back. Oh my god! His choice then became one of two losses. He yeah, could, he, he could have the not severe loss, or he could have the severe loss. Oh man, that is that's a game. That is fascinating. <laughs> it really is. It's fascinating. But you could do the same in the regular game of chicken. You yep. could like you know throw your steering wheel out out the window. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and be so like, as long I... as the other person saw it. Now, if the other person <laughs> doesn't know that you can't swerve, then you've got the same problems. The only, th- uh, the only thing you've done is make it so that uh, you're not going to have the, the small loss. Wow. 
Wow. It is interesting. This, this, this is quite a cognitive tool here. Right. And that's just, we've only gone through two categories. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they might be the more interesting categories. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next, the next one was, you know, just convince the other side that that their incentives to swerve are bigger than your incentives to swerve. And it doesn't, um, this isn't necessarily sales pitchy. Like, this isn't, this isn't you, this isn't bravado. This isn't you convincing the other side that you won't swerve. Because they, they have no reason to trust you. Right. And, and you have no reason to trust them. But, if you convince them that the, their downside is... You know, just less of a problem than yours. Right. Like you, you need this. Like not only do you, did I need to get in front of that car, let's say, but if I didn't, I would lose my job. You see um, what I'm saying? Yeah, like I if, get that. Yep. If I could, if I could convince the other person that that was true, then they would have to start to doubt whether their conviction was as as great as mine. And so that's a way to win. Right. Just the truth. Huh. We're changing the truth. Yeah. Is this still... Was that not as uh, impressive as... Throwing the wheel out the window? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not as dramatic. Yeah. But here's maybe where this gets interesting again. Because I think this is like a distinct category. Um, of convincing the other side that you believe that their incentives to swerve are, are greater than yours. Yeah, wow. Or their incentives to win are not, not as great as yours. Right. Like, it doesn't have to be true. You could, you could um, simultaneously convince someone that you believed that right. and give them the information that allowed them to find out that it's not even true. Okay. But so long... Because what it matters in chicken is what the other person actually thinks. Yes, okay. no, I agree. It's all about that. Yeah. Right. Yep. So I never thought about that belief one, where you make someone yeah. believe that you think that they have the incentive. Now, to put this in kind of different terms, you just convince the other person that you're crazy. Are you saying that that's the same thing or a different thing? No, I think it's the same thing. Like, you... you um, oh, you... you. Oh, I see, because you've convinced them that they have... Uh, the, you, you convince them that, that your stakes are lower or something, right? Yeah. Or that you value your life less or something. Exactly. Which is crazy. Right. Well, what if you had... Um, right. Yeah. I don't know which, uh, like, if you only had, like, minutes to live anyway, I right, guess that would right, be right, in the right. previous category. Yeah. But if you if you were able to convince the other party that you thought you only had minutes to live, oh, right, right. even if you knew that they had plenty of, plenty of life to live, that the right. thing that they were worried about wasn't actually true, mm-hmm. if you thought that the other person thought that they only had minutes to live, wow. then you would you should still swerve. That's right. So, yeah. I don't know. And then the last one, just changing the game. It was like, when all else fails, just like, don't play. Okay. If you if you know you're going to lose, then don't play. Right, if you know there's, yeah. Yep. So. That's it. But that's interesting, because then there's no game, right? Yeah, right, right. Like, none of these things, what we just walked through, none of that has to do with, like, the game theory game of chicken. Hmm. It's just, like, should you find yourself in that situation... What are your options, yeah. Yeah, here are some ways to maybe win. Right. Um, yeah, man. 
it's fascinating stuff. This, I, 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 it's actually been a lot of fun to discuss that. So I don't know. I mean, could you can you think of ways that you would use this? That you would maybe incorporate game theory into your life more? Well, the other thing I think of is that any situation in which um, you are making a decision about how someone will react to what you'll say, or like how you believe that they'll react because you you the, the information you think you have about how they work, like like you could imagine any kind of um, business interaction or negotiation having some element like this, right? You could just imagine that it's all about like. Think about like mediation or something, right? Like, what do they know that I don't know, or do they know that I don't know? Um, any of those kind of permutations of that, you can just imagine any situation where. Um, and I'm not sure what the assumptions about information are in this game, but it sounds right. like, you know, but it sounds like when any any time you'd have a situation where you're like, what does this person know, and how would they react in this situation? They are they going to be a rational actor? Right. If like they knew. If they knew X or they didn't know X, what, Correct. Would, their, what would the rational exactly. actor do? Right. And then you can imagine if you actually try to think through this in like in real time, in those situations, you may make different decisions based on having played out the game in your mind. It's yeah. almost like thinking of a conversation as a game of chess. I don't know, I mean, this stuff is interesting as hell, but it's like, it's hard to figure how it's going to work because of that there is always, or there is always the possibility that not everyone will be this rational actor. That's right. And, uh, so I don't know, I mean, I don't know if there's ever a time it's going to offer, like, definitive answers. I mean, maybe it's just a tool to help think things through. Right. But, um, since there is a, since, or since there appears to be, or we're told that there is, um, frequently a separation between, you know, like rational behavior and, and the results, especially when you involve quite a few people. Right. Isn't, like, intuition still better? Like, like intuition I think rarely steers us wrong in these things and it's they tend to not really be math yeah I, I, yeah maybe um, I, you want to unpack that a bit I, I think you're right well um, most of the time we would rely on our intuition right like, let's say you were in a game of chicken. Right. And you just didn't really think it through. I mean, at some point, you get that feeling that the person is either going to swerve or not going to swerve. And you might act accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, or, um, I don't know, well, any of these games. So you mentioned, like, you know, just conversation or planning your way around something. So aren't you just really trusting your your impression of that person? How they've you know maybe based on experience how they've reacted to things in the past, right? So, right. Sorry, but, th- but that element of the game about like either going into a game with no information about the other person or going into a game with a lot of information about the other person, right? I mean, that's th- those those are different games, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, uh, like, let's say. Let's say intuition is a right brain thing, mm-hmm. and let's say um, I don't know. I guess that it that it tends to be uh, well. All right, so let's say it's a right brain thing, and let's let's assume that your right brain is is rational. That right. your your intuition is mm-hmm. it's not like it's completely irrational. Mm-hmm. It's at least in, in involving some of those decisions. Um, it's clearly bringing in some other information. I, I just feel like it, it does a pretty, maybe it does a better job of weighing things, our intuition, mm-hmm. 
then we could reason our way through it. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um. Well, maybe this is something we can we can pick up again sometime. I would like that. A game, a game or two. Yeah. A a a, a game of sandwiches. That's right. Yeah, we could play a sandwich game. All right, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Yeah. All right, but in the meantime, I have a feeling that if we came up with a game of sandwiches, it might involve common sandwich ingredients. It could. But uh, for now... Yeah, for now. Oh, yeah, good good segue. I like that. Nice, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, any, anything in mind for, for next time around? I'm thinking... I'm thinking that we, we focus a lot on uh, like proteins and, the, and ingredients that are hard, but I think we should actually try something this time that's like a little bit on the sauce side of things. So maybe we, we right. uh, uh, pesto. All right, sounds good. All right. Yeah, quite a few things we can do with that. Yeah. We'll right, uh, let's roll with it. Yeah, we'll roll it, and uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll cover the spread. <laughs> All right. Thanks, All right, Ryan. Well, we'll check yeah. in next week. Yeah, until next time.